want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide, Six Steps to Infuse Storytelling into Your Live Videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. Today's episode of the podcast is near and dear to my heart. I even get a little fired up during it because it is so meaningful to me. I'm so passionate about it. I am chatting today with my friend Marisa, who is an incredible artist. She is based in LA. She's a designer and the founder of Creative Thursday, which was a small intention to be more creative one day while working nine to five job that her company, Creative Thursday, grew into a full-time business that is home to her art, her podcast, her YouTube video series, her blog, her book all of the same name. And she's super passionate about encouraging others to live a life they love, especially creatively. And she coaches artists in business. So you can kind of tell why we had an incredible conversation. Her art sells worldwide, y'all, and can be found in her own boutique, as well as in select galleries and shops, including Urban Outfitters, Crate and Barrel Kids. And she's also designed like nine fabric collections and her book creative thursday everyday inspiration to grow your creative practice was published in four languages i adore her she's on this mission to invite artists to rewrite their story of selling value in their work confidently consistently and selling their creations to dedicated collectors online she's just so cool oh p.s her art is also seen in the avengers endgame movie Love this conversation. Clearly another passionate creative artist. Can't wait for you to hear it. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Marisa, welcome to the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. Thank you, Nick. I'm honored to be here. So happy to be with you. Can't wait for our conversation. We have so much in common that it's kind of ridiculous. You know, we met several years ago, and but just recently really reconnected, and it's such an honor to have you in the orbit and to be able to have a conversation with you today. Tell me and my audience a bit about yourself, where you're from, and how you started this journey of entrepreneurship, because you're a pioneer. Thank you. <laughs> I finally, as I was sharing with you before we pressed record, I'm finally owning that about myself and it feels good to do because then I'm listening better. I know you understand this, your audience understands this. I'm listening better to my intuition Mm -hmm. and saying, if you've seen things before, what are you seeing now and where can that lead for you? And that's just always an exciting place to be. However, to come back to your question. So I am currently based in Los Angeles and I am, I consider myself, well, I consider myself an artist first and foremost. And 
I would say my primary discipline, I, I call myself a painter, but then I've had people say, well, do you paint houses? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no. I would say, all right, well, let's break it down for you. So I'm a visual artist and I paint is my, is my favorite expression, mostly acrylic. I've dabbled in a little bit of oil and I became known for my characters that I created through a practice of daily painting. That's really what built my online business was a a daily practice of creativity. It also built my voice as an artist and people love this. I I am a, I'm a Marvel fan. I'm an Iron Man fan, but people love to know that my art is in the Avengers Endgame. I love it. I know. When I heard that, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) It's hanging in Iron Man's daughter's room. It was, I specifically created this, these characters more with the nursery in mind. So it made sense that they were in there, but there's like a face of a bunny and a bear who are two favorite characters that kind of weave in and out of the illustrations that I've made. So I, I am just now evolving into, I don't know what I sort of let this part of my art go, but the characters continue to want to be there. Mm. And there is a little bit of a story about them as well. But I, I just, yeah, I'm just evolving. I had basically created this entire brand called Creative Thursday off of a podcast in 2006. And before anyone knew what they were, by the way, (laughs) that's what I mean. You're a pioneer. (laughs) And the practice of daily painting and being a self-taught artist, I just sort of went for it. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of steps that led me to that moment um, from graphic design, interior design, working very early in the tech space, starting my own internet company. I was an e-commerce company in 2000. And uh, a foray, I'm sure you can appreciate, into acting in Los Angeles. Specifically, I ended up falling in love with improv at the Groundling School, which is not only I kind of credit that to opening my entire creative expression, I, I ultimately did not want to pursue acting. I thought, oh my goodness, if I really do what I love, it's making art, making visual art. And I also met my, my, my love of 18 years. He is a teacher there. And so it was a very pivotal moment for me just moving into that space as well. So the reason that I love that I decided before any of this began to call my company Creative Thursday is because I didn't want to box myself in, right? We don't, we don't like to. No, we're we really free don't. spirited. <laughs> and I wanna, you know, Nick, I have dreams of writing a film, of making a documentary. I wanted to do that as well. Like I I want to be able to sing. I still want to sing. I want to peruse any and all and I love talking to any and all people with, I believe everyone is creative, but especially the people that open up to that and pursue that, that's my favorite. And so that brings me a little bit to present day, but it's, it's a a brief overview of a very um, interesting path that brought me here. A nonlinear path, which I love, you know, it, 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 on paper, it doesn't make any sense, but as you, but it does in the sense of one thing builds upon the next and brings you to where you are. Yes. I know for me, I don't know if you feel the same, but that I couldn't be where I am today if I hadn't gone on all these other paths. 
Like it wouldn't make sense with one piece missing. It wouldn't make sense. Yes. One other thing that I loved that you spoke of is that, you know, creative Thursday came from this daily practice because I'm a big proponent of sadhana, which is a daily practice. Talk about how did that come into your life or how did you decide to do it? And how do you have the discipline? Because this is what people always ask me about mine, which is 20 some years of daily practice. How do you have the discipline? Well, I'll be fully transparent because that's how I roll. <laughs> Currently, <laughs> I my like discipline that. is is not present. It is in a in a business building sense, and mm-hmm. I know that we'll talk about that because I've I've leaned more into the mentoring coaching side of helping fellow creatives. But when I started this, it's really simple. I was I majored in advertising because I did not believe that I could make a living as an artist. Okay. Glad that myth is debunked and I proved myself wrong. And that's what we're here to encourage everyone listening who also wants that myth debunked. It is possible today. I enjoyed them, did not always enjoy the professors. It kind of shut that part of me down, unfortunately. However, to your point of the advertising is so great for the entrepreneur in me because I learned design copywriting, putting together a campaign. It just kind of went in there. And I have to be honest, I, that was my favorite part of going to school was getting that degree. Those last couple of years, I also actually started a desire for speaking through that process of presenting our pitch. It was such a great path for me and coincidentally or not, it led me to my first job was as a graphic designer. I was in a room with all art school grads. (laughs) I thought, (laughs) I should have just done it. <laughs> However, I think they paid a lot more for those art school degrees. <laughs> so it also worked out fine just in terms of where I was at. And I realized, oh, here I am making art with them anyway. But what I realized as, and I had my first foray into my own company there by doing freelance design on the side. And then very long story short, that particular company I worked for was the only tech company in Tampa, Florida at the time. And I had become skilled in design in that business. There was no other option for me. I was married to a building construction major contractor at the time who was starting his business. And I thought, Ooh, interior design. And I ended up becoming an assistant for who became my favorite boss at the time I started working for a small design studio. And I share that backstory with you to say that the whole time I kept thinking, I'm doing this creative work, but I'm not feeling like I'm being creative. Mm. Everything is going, obviously, in that case, to a lot, I was a lot of the support staff. But I also realized doing the freelance side and then starting to work with clients in interior design, unless it was just the right client that kind of invited you into your own creative pursuit, sometimes it felt, as we say in our world, you know, sort of felt heavy. Yeah. And I thought, how is it that I'm in these creative careers and I'm not feeling fulfilled creatively? And that was the moment of Creative Thursday because I had connected with a friend. At this point, I had moved to Boulder, Colorado. I connected with a friend who had built an incredible ceramics company from her own pieces to selling in Target, Crate and Barrel at the time, Pottery Barn. And it had blown up and literally almost blown up because one Starbucks order went bad. 
and she was sorely depleted of her creative mojo. And she and I came together at the time. She also had just given birth to twins. So she was depleted in other ways as well. And we said, all right, well, let's get together one day a week and we will talk about our, well, we'll do creative things. Mm. We talked about creative ideas over wine. That's what we did. <laughs> and it, very often it was on Thursday and I, I just chose it. I said, oh, Thursday is my favorite day of the week. Let's just call it Creative Thursday. And when I imagined having my own business, which I didn't fully know what that was going to encompass, I said, it's going to be called Creative Thursday. And I remember the moment driving over the hill between Denver and Boulder, where I thought of this idea and it felt so exciting to me. And I like to share that story because a lot of our journey as creatives or when we fully step into the space for ourselves has to do with that intention, that first intention, and that it is a step at a time. So for us, we couldn't quite get it together to have like this crafting afternoon or whatever it was that we were doing, but the talking about the ideas and connecting over that same intention that was really powerful. Yeah. And there's a book out there called Creative Thursday, Everyday Inspiration to Grow Your Creative Practice. And I think I made a book off of this idea, but it was almost 10 years later or 11 or 12 years later. There's a podcast off of it. It became a business. And it just started with a conversation with a very dear friend who understood, who also had entrepreneurial vision and succeeded in it. And suffered from it sometimes, went through her own challenges. And that's, I try to make it short. <laughs> I warned you, Nick. I went you're on my good. inspired tangent. You're, you're so good because it's very interesting. And I think that my audience, you know, it's primarily creatives and spiritual entrepreneurs. And so they can relate to everything you're talking about. So not for one second was I going to interrupt all that flow <laughs> that was coming out of you. It's interesting because that Creative Thursday is taking you to a specific place, as you said, and it's a successful business. What is it like to be a business owner versus an artist? Where is that? How do we find that balance? I know for me, I've got like projects. I am doing two documentaries, as you know, and writing a book and theater projects. And I have my coaching business. And I, there always seems to be this delicate dance between my business so the business business side, I know, and, and the art side. Do you know what I'm saying? How do you find that balance in your business? Well, I realize now, my apologies, because your question that led to how Creative Thursday came to be was really how did I have a regular creative practice? And so I'll quickly tell you oh, that, right. and then I will tell you how I've balanced it and how I've not balanced it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and so the... Creative Thursday then led to me wanting to pursue my art. Basically, I just kept asking myself if I could do anything as my vocation, my work, I want to do something I'm lo I love that I'm passionate about. If I believe that it's possible for me, then what would that be? And it continued to lead me down this path to, to painting. And when I finally accepted that, which as is often the case for us, was there very early for me. I found my way back to it. And I decided to start a blog with the podcast. And at this time, this is 2006, 
believe 2005, 2006, 2007, there was a movement online. There were not that many creatives yet. We were kind of the pioneers in the space and we felt very connected to one another through our blogs at the time. No Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, uh, MySpace, maybe, but that was on its way out. So we really leaned on the connection through blogging. And there were a group of artists that were creating small originals every day and selling them. Mm. It made it quick. It made it, you know, doable, affordable. It was this perfect model for those of us who were prolific. And I thought, well, maybe I can't do one every day, but I could do one a week. And I thought, oh, that look, that works out really well with Creative Thursday, this business I made a few years back, this business name, domain name I bought. And then what happened is I got into the momentum of it. Mm. I got into the flow of it. And then I'm a very big proponent of accountability for me. If I say I'm going to do something, I really want to do it and see it through. Otherwise, it really bugs me. So if I tell the world that I'm going to start painting and posting them to my blog, you betcha I'm going to do it. And it was out of that accountability plus my leap into I'm going to turn this into a business plus my somewhat uh, my awareness early of email, the, the importance of an email list. And also that's what we had that I started sending daily paintings via an email and I started to sell them. And then because, and I don't recommend this, I needed to do this financially. Like I needed to generate revenue. And I hope we might touch upon this because there's this conversation sometimes that you can't weave your passion into making money. It was needing to make money that actually helped me stick to my passion. So for some people that may not be the motivator, I understand it. I did not look down on that as the motivator. And it kept me painting art which kept me connected to my creativity, which connected me to collectors that I have to this day, 14 years later. So you just answered the question, the second question I asked with the first one. You know what I'm saying? When you, the balance of business and your art is that it's so interconnected and so intertwined. Like I know for me, like you said, I made the decision that my art was going to be my business and never wavered from that. And has it expanded? Absolutely. Doesn't it include coaching and teaching now in a way that it didn't before? Absolutely. But that art part is still the primary. Like you said, at the very beginning of this conversation, you said, well, I'm an artist, right? That's how first. Yeah. And I think you've been successful because of that. Yes. Brava. Thank you. (laughs) The part that I'm I'm realizing now, if I may share on yeah, this please. for a moment, is that when I started, I was sharing with you that my first online course at the time I called it or online class was, it was called In the Fishbowl, Life as an Artist Online. Mm-hmm. So I started helping people because they were asking me, how are you doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, I sh- I'd like to answer this question. And I naturally had a desire to share, I realized, because I wanted to start a podcast for free. You know, I was working with a company at the time in Santa Monica that went under. They lost their funding because they were too ahead of time for the podcasting. 
they were trying to be an umbrella to all kinds of talented people. And I chose to continue it based on what I learned. And I thought, where is this desire coming from the help? It's just in me. And so I felt this desire to teach, but then I felt conflicted because I was not making my art as much. Mm-hmm. And I had opportunities to write a book. I had opportunities, which was also a different art form, not the same as painting. Mm-hmm. I had opportunities to, I chose to pursue designing fabric. I did that as well through several years. I made, I designed nine collections of fabric and I talked myself out of coaching and mentoring because I thought I need to focus on my art. So I just want to add that the lesson that has been challenging for me that I've learned that I really intend to bring to people sooner rather than later is I did not get help. I did not get support that would really allow me to always put my energy into the creative expression, you know, fill in the blank, whatever that is. Cause as we, as podcasters, I bet you feel this to me, this is a creative expression as well. Oh, absolutely. And that I love. And you know, I, I just, I kept feeling like I had to make a choice. And so I sort of backed myself into a corner of not being able to really fulfill the art side the way that I wanted. But if I'm being really honest, I am afraid because I've let go of what I was known for. I can't in integrity really create that way, even though I know commercially what I built commercially around that would work. And so I am now re-encountering an entirely new resistance and fear of how will my new work be received when I don't fully even know where it's going yet Mm. and finding the business coaching and helping others. I'm finding that that I may always making that the priority. Mm. And so I'm rediscovering how to find that balance because I really feel the effect of that. If I am not tapping into the simplicity of making art, whether it's on an iPad, which I now love to do too, or grabbing the paintbrush, I mean, just holding paints, touching the brushes. I have one right here. It's a brand new one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh, it just makes me so happy. And I remind myself, this has to be a priority even to be a better coach to the people I have the honor of serving because I'm staying connected to me. Right. So we really have to make that a priority. So I would ask you how you are finding that because it can get lost when you're doing a business. Like it has to be a very conscious because the business priorities, which I'm sure you might agree as well, they're creative as well but they can always dominate the art and that is leftover beliefs that the art isn't important. You know, that's the fun stuff. Yeah. I not dissimilar have had periods where I am heavy, heavy, heavy into my art and I allow the business to take a secondary position. And then there are periods where I am so in the business that I let the art go by the wayside a bit and I get cranky. I get really cranky. And for me, it's, it's, it always feels like a dance. It feels like a dance between these two loves. They're two great loves for me. And I have found a way to merge them together because I'm working with creative artists. I'm working with spiritual folk. And I find that by helping them, it actually helps me be a better creative, a better artist, a better spiritual person walking this planet. And it's a teeter-totter. 
it's a teeter totter. It's like it's up and down, right? But I never, and, I, and I'm always trying to find this like, sort of precarious space of that balance. But there's no such thing as balance. Balance is in movement. So I think we're always going to feel this to some degree, rather than it going up and down and up and down the way a teeter totter does. It kind of finds that in between space now, of of that slight subtle dance. What I have chosen to call it is I I don't refer to it as balance anymore because we do get that, at least I do get that visual of the scales. Mm. I call it harmony. Like that. Are we in harmony with fulfilling what we're being called to do? So sometimes the business side, which encompasses many different tasks, feels very fulfilling. Yeah. And of course, goes without saying, the art feels very fulfilling. And am I finding, you know, I know there are really certain seasons. We all go through different personal seasons as well. And so the balance, quote unquote, may be off, but we could still find harmony with that. Yeah. I love that. That's really powerful. And yeah, that's really powerful. I'm just going to, I'm sitting with that for a second because I love that, that reframing. That's really beautiful. It's funny because not dissimilar to you, I'm good at both. And it's okay to be good at two two things or three things or 10 things. Are you saying that you're good at business as a creative, Nick? I know. Can you imagine that somebody no, could be? <laughs> no, That's you're not possible, kidding. right? Do you, like Do you like numbers? Do you like numbers? Yeah. And I actually, you know, I like spreadsheets. Imagine. Oh my gosh. I know. I'm starting to really <laughs> like those. I'm like, how did I miss this my whole life? Airtable. I'm just going to say it really changed everything for me. And Google Sheets. I'm like, oh my gosh, these are amazing. <laughs> You know, I think because I you know, became a producer at 28 years old, that business side of the art has been there for a long time for me. I'm 51 now, so it's been there a bit. And so I that integration happened fairly early for me. It's been the addition of the coaching that's been really interesting for me and mentorship. That's been a whole new aspect that's been like, oh, and that's got to, that, we're adding that. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I can be good at that too. Okay. You know, so it's been this finding the, I'm moving my body right now. You know, it's yeah. finding that, that, that Sahaja movement, that flow and being okay that some days some things feel really, really good. And some days you're like, ah, I'm not wearing that well today and being okay with it. Yes. You know, a lot of times when I'm listening to, to certain business guidance or, you know, even, well, I would say mostly business guidance. I think we're just slightly askew from that. It's yeah. not that the business foundations that hold true, you know, that are timeless, those are in place and they really do make sense for everyone starting a business. But there's always this little something that feels like, it's not, and I, I try to be aware of this. That's why I'm taking my time with how I word this. Cause I know when I make excuses for myself, Yeah, it's not that it's, it's that we are a unique business offering. And, and maybe that also has to do with the fact that the landscape, the beliefs, the myths that we're busting, the stereotypes that we are, you know, outgrowing but they're still present that that is creating its own evolution that maybe we don't even fully have realized yet, but it's coming. It's in progress right now in process right now. And we're part of that ripping it apart. 
right? Yes. We're a big part of that. And owning our business self and owning our ability to make money and owning it is the example so that those old narratives can, can be laid to rest or at least put to the side that they're not the prevalent narrative for creatives and artists. I think, you know, we hear often in, particularly in business circles, we'll hear things like, your business isn't your hobby. It's not here to entertain you. And for me, I always wrestle up against that because I'm like, oh, but it was my hobby when I was 10, when I was 12, when I was 16, when I was 18, until I began working professionally. I would do it if I was paid or not, but that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is it can be my hobby and my business. How do you, may I ask you a question? Yeah, please. How did you find that bridge? Because that I do, I heard it recently from some very well-respected women leaders, which surprised me. There was this impression that when you go to sell your work, which is a business, all right, let's just be honest. You don't have a business if you're not selling something. I like to just hit that nail on the head. Boom. Yeah. Like, hello, you have to make money. All right, great. (laughs) Otherwise it is a hobby. Like we have to define that somehow too. But that you really might want to consider not, you know, weaving selling into your passion. And I got very fired up in response to that to clarify, well, it was actually weaving the making money in the necessity of that, that helped me stay connected to my passion. How about that? So how did you just make peace with, you know, that's okay for me to have both sides of these, if that's what I'm understanding. Everything you just said, because I knew at 18 years old, I made the decision that I didn't have boats behind me, that I burned the boat and I was going for it at 18. I moved to New York with $800 in my pocket, having never been there before. Never, never been to New York City. I knew two people in the entire city. I didn't know uptown from downtown. I couldn't take the train. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anybody. I didn't, but I knew deep in my soul that I was going to make it work and that I had to make the money as an artist, as a creative being in order for it to succeed. I had no skills, other skills. That's the other part of this. I developed every skill I had along the way. Other than being a dancer and an actor, I had zero skill set. So I had to make it work. And you did. And I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So exciting. (laughs) I love it. You hear me get fired up about that because I do have a great passion and a strong belief that money can be a bridge. Money is not something that an artist should struggle with or needs to, even needs to. But we've been taught for so many years that that's what it means. A equals B. Well, A does not have to equal B. You're a living proof. I'm a living proof. Yes. And I just, I'm trying to think sometimes of all the ways that I can make that clear And I guess I just do a little bit at a time and we receive it when we can, because sometimes I get disappointed when I see that it's still going on out there, that this is still the undercurrent. And however, I have started to hear 
business leaders. I heard recently on a on a conversation I tuned into that corporate entities are now adding creatively minded individuals to their boards of directors or higher level decision making rooms because they realize that that's been missing. And I thought, oh, that's the beginning of that, you know, becoming even more respected, more valuable. Yeah, I read something recently, too, that 86% of corporate wishes that their employees were more creative. And that's, I think, part of this, too, is that we're moving into the creative class. Like, we've moved past sort of the old ways of being and now creativity that you and I have been doing for many, many years and those that came before us and came before us and came before us have been doing, but we're actually moving it into a place of it being more mainstream, but it being the way in which people make a living rather than that thing on the side over there that we've been talking about. That side gig. That side. Oh God. How many times (laughs) did I hate when I used to hear that? Oh, your side gig? No, no. And oh, you do it full time. Really? Yes. (laughs) Remember that? It's like, what? (laughs) Yes. Well, what do you really do? That's what I really do. (laughs) Yeah. How did that come for you, that conviction so early? Oh, gosh. That could be a whole episode in itself because I think there was some underlying stuff of feeling unseen there, unheard. And I had a great desire to be seen and to be heard. And growing up as a little gay boy in the middle of the Midwest and being othered, that was the creative outlet became the expression of the the pain, the feeling, the whatever. And then it became this idea of I'm going to succeed and show these motherfuckers who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I relate in with a totally different experience, but I felt... It felt like I didn't fit in, that I had a certain vision that other people did not understand. I was just biding my time through high school and grade school and and finally started to find my way a little bit in college. But I just felt so many people trying to tell me what I could and could not do Mm. that I got really feisty about it. My my boss, my favorite boss, Marty, I remember just sitting in her car when I was her assistant. I wanted to start designing way sooner than she thought I should. <laughs> and she, I said, you know, I just would constantly counter her beliefs as a 20 something. And she, at the time she was in her fifties and I would just get so frustrated with it. I would think, why are you telling me that? You know, why can't I do this? I remember actually at the time her son was pursuing acting out in West Hollywood. I remember sending a package to him and thinking, wow, what is that like, you know, starting that kind of life. But at some point for me, I kept ignoring that conviction, continued to seek out a more quote unquote secure path was a really good employee. I mean, I wanted to work really hard for people and, and, you know, just help them in their business, but I could not find someone that would lead in the way that I needed. (laughs) And so I finally 
just thought, oh, forget it. I guess I'm just going to have to do this myself. (laughs) And so that's what happened. And then I realized, oh, gosh, I think I'm an entrepreneur. I had no idea. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think all artists are entrepreneurs. They just don't know it. They don't, they just don't identify as it. Right. Because I, I would think that that word, because I think about this a lot when I'm describing what I'm doing, because I, I am seeing artist entrepreneur, like mm-hmm. in the vernacular. More and more, more, right? Yeah. Yes. And I'm assuming it's because we think of entrepreneurs, again, from the business hat. Mm-hmm. And because so many artists, well, I never like to put everyone in the same box. So please understand, you know, most, many, yeah, some, in general, in general, they are saying to themselves still, oh, business isn't my strength, mm-hmm. uh, marketing, selling, I'm not very good at, I'm not good at numbers. I mean, these are actual sentences that come out of people's mouths. And so they just never come into the choice to pursue work they love from the standpoint that they even have a chance, right? Because yeah. they're just automatically suggesting, believing that they are not built like that, that they are not entrepreneurs. Are you finding it in the next generation, in the younger people that you're seeing more artist entrepreneur? No, I am not. Maybe in the very young generation, mm-hmm. I am connected to some beautifully creative people in maybe their early Mm twenties. I do see them pursuing it, but I still see them struggling as I did with the parent figures in their life a little bit less. So in Los Angeles, but it's still happening because here it, I would definitely say that creatives are more common (laughs) celebrated (laughs) and kind of doing their thing and all their side gigs and all the things, but it really breaks my heart when I think, oh my goodness, <laughs> like I was trying to pave a way. <laughs> I was trying to pave it. I mean, I still do. I still get in their business if they let me, but I see them very hesitant to own that they're an artist. I see them very hesitant to believe that they can make a living with it. And the, again, this is like from 16 right now to early twenties that I'm encountering this still. Well, it's just showing us the work that we still have to do, right? That yes. it's not done. That it, And it may take many generations, hopefully not many, but it may take another one or two because it's been how many generations back of the starving artist narrative or the crazy artist or the et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's going to take a bit of time. It is, we're stripping it away and you're doing your part. That I know for sure. Yes, I, sure. I, hope, I hope so. I certainly get fired up about it still. I'm like, are we still talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, in my full transparency, I am not an artist. I have sold, you know, five figure, or wait, five figure, four figure, four figure works before. And I'm not an artist that I chose not to, at this stage, that may change, but go the gallery route. Like I'm fully self-created, self-started. I believed in me. I had more people telling me I couldn't than people telling me I could. And I had several moments where I was just outright rejected that could have shut me down forever. And it was that same kind of conviction that you're talking about where I'm like, I'll show you, 
Like that's yeah. still in me in any scenario. Like I'm not even, I haven't even gotten started yet, people. So get ready. <laughs> well, yeah, cause now I'm dealing with ageism, right? Like move over. And I'm like, oh no, I haven't oh, no. started yet. <laughs> I know. Don't I'm even, right there with you. Don't I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding? I ramped up for 20 years to just get going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just to hit 20, my stride. Oh no, I'm 30. I keep forgetting how old I am. I'm almost uh, Sam. <laughs> it's okay. It, it's we're, we're, age, age, you know, it really, there is this wisdom, this great wisdom that comes with it, right? Like the, mis- the mistakes, quote unquote, that I made in my past, I've learned those lessons so I don't have to learn them again, hopefully. And, you know, there is this great wisdom. Now, I definitely feel it in my body that I'm aging a bit, right? Like I, I can sense it. I can see it in the mirror. But my internal soul is still that childhood artist. That's still that creative kid who is going to express myself until the day I die. Yes. To quote David Hockney from one of his documentaries, and he just said, I am not going to retire. I'm just going to fall over one day while I'm making art. I love that. And I know uh, I have a dear friend who is connected to him and I know that he is still making art. (laughs) So in his eighties, like he's, he's doing that. He has to actually, in order to really, you know, stay connected, just like what we're talking about. Well, because it's connection to the self. It's a spiritual yes. practice. Yes, and, it is. and so in order to for your your spirit to feel that connection, that practice is needed. It's important. It's part of who you are. So yes. I could talk to you all day long and all night long. <laughs> Thank you so much for yeah. I've your, lost track of time already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your transparency, for your honesty, for telling it like it is, which I really appreciate and for being you and really for helping strip this narrative that we're talking about. It's part of my life's mission and I think yours as well. And I really appreciate that. Yes. And same. I, I always cheer, as you know, I leave you comments on your reels. I'm always applying like, Oh, thanks for saying that. I want to say that same thing. And I do, you know, for our creative listening, it does take courage. It, it really does. And not to underestimate that, you know, and to yeah. really meaning to honor that, that you are, you have sort of an exceptional quality that has led you here. And, and people like Nick and I just want to continue to champion that for you because you know, without sounding trite about it. I mean, it is really special. I just think, wow, we are coming to realize that art is one of the most important things on this planet. I know I'm biased, but I think people are coming to realize it because every single thing that has a certain kind of meaning is impacted by someone who created it Yeah, on every level. There's a story behind the story, basically. Mm -hmm. And that connects us in that beauty. Thanks again so much. Now, where can my listeners go find you? You can find me at creativethursday.com or at creativethursday on Instagram. It's usually where I hang out. Although I'm venturing into the TikToks. (laughs) The the TikTok land. And then I am at Marisa Ann Cummings. And... Yes. And if you, you can also, um, I, one tip that I've learned and one of my, one resistance 
I held on to was crafting a plan as an artist. I would resist that because I'm so spontaneous and I'm so free. And then I finally realized, oh my goodness, a plan really helps with the spontaneity and the freedom. And so I created a little mini course called the Successful Artist Plan. And you can go to the successfulartistplan.com and check out a little video mini course that I made with some worksheets because I also realized going back to the support side that I can be, I can get more help when I'm a better planner also, because it doesn't really work when you have help and you're flying by the seat of your pants and you need to advise someone ahead of time and you're not doing that. So I really had to embrace planning and I've embraced it so much that I've made my own creative planner and put that out into the world. So preach, preach, preach. (laughs) I hope all of my students are listening. Preach. I know. It took me a minute, but now it is one of my favorite practices. I'm even like we talked about geeking out about spreadsheets and get this project management software. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Watch out. As long as it has nice colors and it's visually appealing to me, I'm all in. Oh, I bet. It has to be pretty for you, I'm sure. It has to be pretty. I've got to be able to pick some colors. colors. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. But I love it. That makes sense. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And thank you all so very much for listening. Let us know your big takeaway. Go onto the Instagrams and leave us a DM with your big takeaway. Connect because we really do appreciate that. I know that I do, and I'm sure you do as well. So. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.